Self-love and love in general is about truth. Living, so living in self-truth is a huge part of self-love and self-care. Life is too short not to live in your truth and not to live in love and not to live and doing whatever makes you happy and makes you feel whole. Welcome to the Free Your Inner Guru podcast. I'm your host, Laura Tucker. Today's interview with author, blogger, and happy single parent, Christina Torres, is the perfect way to wrap up this summer of self-care series during this official last week of summer. During this wide-ranging conversation, we explore breaking free of the fear of what other people may or may not be thinking about you, stereotypes of motherhood, a very practical way to embrace the now by embracing self-care, kindness, compassion, and the power of letting go of control and choosing influence instead, owning your feelings, and the myth that any of us will ever permanently get our shit together. It's a vulnerable and insightful conversation with a super fun woman. So put on your headphones or turn up your speaker. And as always, enjoy as you hear from a remarkable human being who is sharing her story for the benefit of others. Here we go. Today, I have a very special guest to welcome to the Free Your Inner Guru podcast. Christina Torres is our guest. Christina is a blogger, a mother, and a best-selling author of Flipping Awesome, The Art and Science of Perseverance, Self-Love, and Getting Your Shit Together. She's on a mission to flip the script on painfully perfect womanhood and to empower women to embrace their truth and live out loud. Welcome to Free Your Inner Guru, Christina. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So Christina, um, tell us a little bit about your, yourself, your blog, your story, and, 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 uh, and your message around uh, parenting and, and what it means to, to be an authentic and powerful woman. Uh, sure. So my story starts off in humble, but not so small, Brooklyn, New York. Um, Born and raised here, I am um, an only child, so um, very easily, uh, I would say very easily entertained. Um, one of my my huge entertainments, considering I was um, just one, <laughs> was a lot of reading and writing. Um, so that's, that's basically, that would be my playground, and I did a lot of self-teaching and a lot of, uh, I guess, self-loving for a really long time. Uh, I think that's a unique quality that either only children have. Um, but I, I've kind of been on that journey without knowing it um, for quite for quite some time now. Um, I went to I haven't lived anywhere else, so um, it was my way of escaping the big noise in the big city was just reading and writing and getting my thoughts out um, that way. So that kind of naturally progressed to me being a blogger and then eventually a published author. Um, I had my son about two and a half, he'll be three, um, two and a half years ago. Um, I kind of, it's an, interest, it's an interesting journey because I've never wanted children um, and not, you know, and kudos to those who have and, and who, who don't and kudos to those who do. I think our, our society puts this pressure on women 
you know, or makes us feel badly if that's not something we want. Um, or in, in some places makes us feel like it's weird to want those things when you're not married or you don't have a partner. Um, so it flips the coin on, on either on either head. Um, but my journey, actually, I feel like my self-love and my and my self-development journey started just around the time I found out I was going to be pregnant with my son. Um, and I wasn't planning him. <laughs> if anyone has watched the movie um, Knocked Up, <laughs> it's a very similar story, except uh, Henri's dad, that's the name of my son, is not a stoner. He's the total opposite. <laughs> He's very straight-laced, very by the book. He's a military man as well as a police officer. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I was a stoner, but I was more of the, the hippie of the two. <laughs> Um, didn't really take myself too seriously. Um, we went on a we went on a few dates. We like hooked up. I actually thought he was a square. It never went anywhere, other than the fact I ended up finding out I was pregnant weeks later. Um, but the beautiful part about it is something told me in my heart and in my mind that this was what I was meant to do. I'm a firm believer that the universe loops things around multiple times until it's like, duh, just do it. I don't know how many times I've got to tell you to do this thing already. And you're like, okay. <laughs> um, and that's kind of how I felt. I felt this calm. I felt this, this need, this need to stop shutting out um, something I actually truly wanted, but I was just so in fear about what people would say about single motherhood or, um, you know, not being married or, um, not even being interested in being married, that I had to, you know, there's this thing that, you know, you can only offer your child if the ideal life, if you're married or you have your partner by your side. Um, and he is, he's still my partner, just not in that romantic sense. He's an excellent father. So um, yeah, just kind of just flipping the script on what co-parenting could and should look like. Um, you know, just knowing that as a woman, you're extraordinarily powerful um, and you've been balancing things all your life. So what's not to say you can't, you can't live on your own terms. Um, so I guess that would be um, my main staple. And, and you found from this experience, like when you first, when you first found out, take us through maybe, because there's, there's so many different kinds of, of surprises or unexpected permanent developments in, in life. Take us through your, you know, your, your mindset or your journey from, from surprise to embracing and then to coming out and having a message to share around this. Yeah. So what I found, um, what I found honestly is that my reservations about telling about coming to terms with um, bringing single and pregnant and telling people were a hundred percent things that I've made up in my mind. You know, no one told me that Christina, we would never we would never love you if you you know had a baby on your own. No one ever said we wouldn't be your friend anymore if, if you had a baby on your own. No one said that your life would end if you had a baby on your own. These are just things that I observed and took on. Um, kind of in my own 
in my own head as well as as the idea. So my mom, my mom and my grandmother, and to an extent my aunt were all single mothers. So those pictures to me weren't exactly pictures or stories of triumph, at least not to me. You know, um, they've all raised outstanding women and outstanding children. But to me, that just seemed like not the struggle I saw was not what I wanted. But through the flip side, I think it was an, an amazing time for that to happen to me, for me to find out I was pregnant. I was actually going through um, this personal development um, workshop landmark um, mm -hmm. at the time. And that's where I found out. And I've always kind of been one that I'm really good with. <laughs> I'm really good with giving personal information or at least sharing personal information with strangers than I am people I know. So honestly, the first people who knew besides uh, my best friend who I write in the book who knew about me being pregnant because she told me to take a pregnancy test and I literally did it like at my desk. I didn't, I didn't realize she meant like when you got home, I was like, great idea. And I ran to Dwayne Reed. Um, but she, she was only one because I knew there would be no judgment. We kind of had that relationship. Um, and then it was like literally someone I turned to at one of the evening sessions at a landmark thing. And the, I got so much joy back from that person and it felt so nice to be, to have the same joy I was feeling, but was so worried about feeling reciprocated by someone else that it kind of like washed away any doubt. And I was like, well, if this complete stranger is so excited about me having a baby, why wouldn't people I love or why am, why am I, why am I drowning my joy because of someone's who I, what I think someone else is going to think. Those, those ideas haven't even been given to me yet. The judgment was coming from you. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say it was definitely all self, it was all self-imposed. So um, I'm also a firm believer, like in things you don't like about others or things that may rub you the wrong way or things that like leave you questioning about others are clearly reflections of how you feel about yourself or your own or your own beliefs, right? So I was just like, oh, single motherhood. No one's gonna be okay with that. But it's like, no, you're not okay with that, but you're not okay because you think other people, it's like a vicious cycle. Um, mm -hmm. And it can, it can make you feel really crazy. Um, and not to downplay mental illness, that's not how I mean, but it can make you feel like, who am I? And why am I thinking these thoughts? And it, 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 it was safe to say that it was me, a lot of me imposing that. And, you know, I, I, I saw that it was hard for my mom and my mom and others have told me single motherhood was hard. And that's not what we're saying. I think parenting in general is hard. I don't, I don't care if there's four people, five people, three people, one people doing it. Um, it takes a lot of people, whether or not you have a spouse. Um, and I just knew, I don't know, there was just something that came over me and I knew I wasn't, I had to change what the face of single motherhood meant to me. Um, and man, did I, I mean, I traveled, I did a whole bunch of things. So let's really dive into that because that's a part of your message reading, reading, flipping awesome. You have, you have messages for all people and all women, but in our early conversations before we thought to have you on the show, you, you were very passionate about stereotypes of, of motherhood and single motherhood. I mean, there's some of it that's 
clearly socially, I guess, delivered, but it was a lot of my own experience. My mother really didn't have a life of her own. I was her life. She rarely did things for herself. Um, I, I can't, I don't think she's ever gone on a vacation without me. Some of that was socioeconomic, but a lot of it was because she just didn't believe in, you know, once you had kids, that was it. Your life or your kids. There is no more you. I think she kind of still believes that to an extent. She's just a little bit open to it, seeing A, how I've kind of balanced it. Um, I love my son and I'm there for him and I provide for him, but I I need, I still was, I still really need it to be me. You know, there was parts of me that clearly would not fly you know, in parenting and in motherhood. And honestly, you don't really have the energy <laughs> to do half of the things you were doing before anyway. But yeah, throughout my pregnancy, I mean, I wasn't married. I wasn't even really romantically. I wasn't not even really like there was no romantic, um, you know, tie to his dad. So if I wanted to go out dancing and I went out dancing if I wanted to go out traveling, if I wanted to go travel to Mexico with my friends, I traveled to Mexico with my friends. If I wanted to go to a conference or a concert, I did so. And it was amazing. And no one judged me for it. No one was like, ew, what is that pregnant lady doing here? You know, these are things that society and we as women tell ourselves is that once we become moms or wives or girlfriends or whatever, or sometimes it's career, like you feel like you have to pick one or the other. No. And it's it's unhealthy, I think. It's unhealthy because I could have easily locked myself in a room at home um, and, you know, wallowed in the fact that I was by myself, pregnant with very little help. Or I could have, I leaned in and leaned on the women close to me and the friends who were close to me and turned it into a party. I had no, I had no obligations other than to keep myself healthy, keep myself especially stress-free. If all I did was worry about the fact that I had no husband, no, no, I guess, spousal support, or for most of my pregnancy, I didn't even know that I would even have a co-parent to raise my stress levels, give my baby this like horrible environment to live in, um, in my belly given a total all cortisol shocks because I'm over here stressing and crying and screaming and grunting all over the place, or I can really, really enjoy myself. So that's, that's what I did. You used a, a term there, um, cortisol shocks. I don't like to assume that the, every listener will know exactly what you mean by that, but I think it's a really important consideration. Cortisol is a stress hormone um, and it kind of is what causes us to like retain, for, well, for people who aren't pregnant <laughs> to retain weight. Um, it's just, you know, when your body, like back in the day of the caveman or whatever, when your body was stressed out, it would, because you were hungry or you couldn't find food, it would send messages to your body to make cortisol, which then stores fat, um, and slows you down a bit because you need to conserve energy. Um, but it can also, it is still a stress hormone. There's good stress hormones, by the way. This is just not a not so great one um, because without stress, you wouldn't be prompted to do things, but this is not a great stress hormone. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to give my baby a stressful environment to be living in. Um, and I guess 
that's also there's just just being being pregnant and being a mother you just have to think about those things so more often because when it's just yourself who cares if you screw up you're you know like the only person you're really hurting which you, I mean you know you think that way that's not true you are you know you are making your family or your husband or whoever's life miserable if you're miserable but honestly you're really only screwing things up for yourself right but once I think once children are involved and when someone else's health is involved, especially if you're incubating that that life, uh, you should definitely think about um, how that plays out. I also am a huge geek. And whenever I do something, I just have to do it utmost, like almost an annoyingly amount of research. Like sometimes I'm just like, just make the decision. But, <laughs> or just do the darn thing. But I, it's just in my nature. I like to know as much as possible before doing something or while doing something. So, you know, these are things that also are not common. I mean, people who are, are, are family planning may know these things, but in, in, in Latin and, and Black and people of color communities, that's not something that's really taught or expressed. It's just not a healthy environment. And I just didn't want to give that to my son if there was no need if there really was no stress, if I was just going to keep creating stress for the sense of creating stress, then then that's unfair. Now, if there was someone chasing me or I was in, in a certain situation, I'd hope I'd have the strength to get out of that. But there was no there was no such thing. <laughs> so why create stress? Why why let what I think other people are going to think affect me and my baby? I have to, it's completely. Uh, important to me and to your children and to whoever is in your life that you are at your utmost performance and you're feeling good about yourself and your cup is full, right? I hear, I feel like we hear that a lot now. Your cup is full before you even think about pouring anything into anyone else's. My mind as you're, as I'm listening to you is going to, to two things that I think are both in your book, but also part of the, the, the conversation, the bigger conversation is, and there's probably a relationship between them. Something about embracing the now, which you write about, and uh, and which is and you know it's an idea that has been advanced by um, self help and transformation leaders as as a way to um, transform a life, but also the idea of self care yeah. and and recognizing that this cup that's half empty doesn't flow freely to other people. I heard this, I heard from somewhere recently, um, depression is caused by living in the past and anxiety is caused by living in the future. I'm not one now, I could say maybe at some point I was one person who was somewhat angst, like somewhat concerned about the past, but I would say as a whole, I'm more of a person who suffers from anxiety um, and worrying about the future. So it's very, very important for my well-being to only be concerned about what I can do right now. Um, because I will think of a million ways till Sunday how this could go wrong, but I haven't even done or experienced those things yet. Um, so it's, it's for me, that's super, super important. It's just staying present knowing that you're doing the best you can do right now. And if the next thing I loved, so 
even before uh, I've listened to a few of your podcasts, which I mm. absolutely, absolutely love. You have a very soothing voice. Um, oh, thank you. I'm one, I'm one person who gets really annoyed by voices. I feel like we all have those weird idiosyncrasies and like sometimes I'll hear a person's voice on a podcast and I'm like, I can't even. I, I know she has valuable things to say, but I can't listen to her voice. Um, and I hope I don't do that for your listeners because I am from Brooklyn and I can be a little nasal. Um, so I apologize in advance. Um, but <laughs> I was listening to, you had the CEO of Habitat for Humanity, I think on the last one. Yes, yes, Karen uh, Haycox. Karen Haycox. Yeah. yeah, which was like so awesome that I, I was listening to that. So I was like, oh, she, she's, she, I'm going to feel like I'm, I'm stealing her stuff, but I, I totally resonated with what a lot of the things that she was saying. And it was just like, you know, you have to do the, the next right thing for you. And if the mm-hmm. next right thing for you is just putting your shoes on or just brushing your teeth or just, just putting one foot in front of the other, worry about what you can control right now. I think there is this, um, because even so much you can't control that. Like, what if you went to go brush your teeth and there was no toothpaste, <laughs> you know? But like, it's just, just worry about what's immediately happening for you because it's not this idea that we can control what's next. I think we can influence. I love that distinction between influence and control. I think we're taught, we, we, uh, you're talking to a fellow, um, um, hopefully um, in recovery, control freak. Mm. And the understanding about letting go of control versus doing what you can to influence something in, you know, in that moment or in that larger scenario, say when you're, you know, it's okay to be strategic about the future. I spend a lot of time doing that with people um, as the coach, but then looking at, okay, what can we influence towards that, that outcome right now? Not how can we control all the variables or anticipate every, every um, step or misstep. And what you said there about um, taking from, um, from Karen's is that interview stayed with me for a long time after we had it. And then I edited it quite a while after we recorded it. And just the the simplicity of take the next right step or the next best step is is such a calming way to to do that big um, intangible thing called embracing the now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a yeah. like a full embrace. Like I love what is happening here right now. I happened to turn on the television the other day and it was in a moment where I was just in between things, a bit uncertain about something. I just, I flipped the channels, landed on um, the Oprah network, which is not somewhere quite friendly that I go too often. And it landed on a, a, a replay of something that I saw 10 years previous. It was with Eckhart Tolle. It was all about, um, Oh my gosh, it it is all about embracing now. He wrote The Power of Now. But it was the New Earth series that they recorded together probably in 2007, 2008. That was one of the first self-development things that I came across um, that was highly spiritual. And what I turned on, you know, you love the synchronicities and you talk about synchronicity in your book. The synchronicity of turning that on right now and hearing what he had to say about 
you know, if you're doing something out of, you know, frustration or anxiety or fear or anything other than being in a state of acceptance, appreciation, or enthusiasm, you might as, he would go so far to say you might as well not be doing it. Right. And this idea that when you are, are able to think about how can I influence what's the next right step or the next best step, you know, is it can also coming to a state of acceptance about something that's unpalatable is embracing the now. Absolutely. And then as you saw, I love how this is now can relate back to your story. As you saw, you probably um, flipped from acceptance to appreciation, then enthusiasm fairly quickly over your unexpected pregnancy. So much so that this is now your, your platform. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I didn't mention it in the book, but it just clicked to, it just clicked to me now. So while I was pregnant, while I was pregnant, me and my really good friend, who's actually now my sublet met, sublet, sublet mate, mate, if I, oh, now I'm Australian, um, <laughs> sublet mate, um, we had, we were, we're heading to a concert, uh, near my home. It's Brooklyn bowl. It's a very, it's actually a bowling place, but they hold concerts in it. It's a really cool venue. Um, so we're walking there and she mentioned she had a friend from Baltimore who was coming to move to New York. And this is how, this is how just incredible, like I couldn't have controlled this. I couldn't have made this up. It, it, it just dropped in my lap. And she's like, well, she doesn't have a place to stay. I live in this really tiny studio. You know, I hate having people stay with me. (laughs) Um, I had a two bedroom, a very large two bedroom apartment in uh, Brooklyn. Um, One of the bedrooms, I was probably at this point only like three or four months pregnant. So I didn't have a nursery up. It was just a room that was sitting there. My, um, there was a bed in it, a twin size bed and like a bureau, but nothing was being done with it. So I said, well, Oh, no big deal. She can stay. She could just stay with me. Why? Why is she gonna kill herself? And she's a friend of yours. I, I'm, I'm hoping she's as sane as possible. Um, I know, I'm constantly working. I worked all the way up until I gave birth, um, and that was the plan from the get go. If I can move, I'm gonna keep moving. So I said, Why don't she just stay with me? And she's like, Are you sure? I was like, Yeah. Well, I'll talk to her see if she's willing you know, we can go through the motions and she was, it was great. It it just fell into my lap. She helped. I mean, I didn't know how I was going to afford this baby. I, as far as I was concerned, pretty much up until this point, I was going to do it by myself. Um, And I think I didn't touch upon that. So I don't want anyone to think reading my book, like I was just this irresponsible, single pregnant woman blowing her cash. No, Uh, opportunity literally just fell in my lap. And this this beautiful, crazy angel, because I also was a little hormonal. So it was an interesting time for both of us. <laughs> um, she fell into my lap and cut my rent in half for my whole pregnancy. So that ended up me ha- being able to afford to have a good time. And then once maternity came and clearly not going out when the babies are, I, I had a little nest egg saved up. Literally did plan that. I couldn't have thought, and it wouldn't even have struck my mind because I'm a person who really values her alone time. I like to think of myself as a introverted extrovert. I love being around people and I love a good time, but 
but I love me some alone time. Like mm-hmm. I really love being alone. <laughs> um, so that's something that just like fell into my lap and I just embraced it. And I was like, yeah, this is a great idea. Thank you universe. Cause I wouldn't have never thought about that. I would have never thought about that. And that was something that was available. Another thing that was available to me and something that I had to flex around because honestly, I don't even think if I would have even jumped on the chance or it would have been presented to me. I was going to say you, you may not have in that moment been receptive to even thinking about it or having that idea. If you were, if you're, if you were, and this is what happens to all of us, if we're closed down around uh, what we're doing and focused in, you know, on the challenge of it or the frustration of it, whatever our default is, then we can miss the opportunities. Like in that fleeting moment of that conversation, there had to be some um, openness to a different solution. Yeah. I was definitely in a point in my life where like, oh yeah, keep bringing it universe. Yeah. You're doing a great job. Let's talk about the importance of self-care in your life and how, what self-love and self-care mean to you. I think self-care and self-love for me um, goes way beyond like the Manny, Petty, a new outfit, whatever, you know, a lot of, I feel like now that's such a buzzword that anyone and everyone is selling self-care and self-love and in any medium. Um, but I've come to a real huge realization lately. Um, and it goes back to like worrying about what people think and, you know, your own false beliefs about things that self-love and love in general is about truth. Living, so living in self-truth um, is a huge part of self-love and self-care. Being honest about what you can take on and what serves you is a huge part of self-love and self-care. I am not a very patient person. So manis and petties are honestly really not that <laughs> not that relaxing to me. I'm like, well, this is this is killing days of minutes and hours of my time that I could be spending doing something else. So for me, maybe walking is self-love and self-care. Enjoying a cup of coffee is self-love and self-care. Living my truth is self-love and self-care. Um, I touched upon it slightly in my book, but I was a little wary because, you know, my <laughs> I knew my family would be reading it and it wasn't something I was completely ready to share or ready to ready to, um, I don't know, to make public. But, um, you know, I've been on this journey of self-love and self-care for a while. And it's when um, I went on my recent, uh, I went on a recent service trip Mm. to the Dominican Republic to build a home. Um, And as incredibly, you know, I guess I would say taxing on my body and, and honestly my mind a little bit um, as it was, that was a, that was a form of self care, but I was working. That was a lot of labor. Um, and on the flip side of that, you know, I gave back to someone that honestly, I think honest, gave back more to me. Yes. They have a home. Yes. They have a safe place, but just knowing that I could have done that for someone was a lot of, gave me a lot of self love. 
Like that's something I would have never thought I've been able to do. Um, and I am the queen of Ikea furniture. I can put Ikea furniture together, but (laughs) (laughs) a whole home and with like, it was was a pretty big deal. Um, but on another, on a, on a not so exciting, I guess, tidbit of that, um, I had a really, uh, and I haven't really spoken about it on social media or anything, because I don't believe in, um, using other people's pain as a, I'll use my pain as a platform. You know, it's personal. Mm -hmm. It's for me, Mm -hmm. but I won't use other people's pain. Um, I think that's gross and a little unfair. So, um, I had, I had found out, I was in a very remote area, so I'll make it quick. I I had found out through a, a, through a school friend, an old school friend on an Instagram direct message that my best friend from elementary school had passed away Mm. over the weekend. Um, I'm 31 years old, so she was the same age as me. Mm-hmm. Um, she was most certainly, at least I thought so, was living her truth and living her her love. Um, she was. She had just got celebrated for. I think she she's in education. So I saw her at this conference on Instagram, just looking so beautiful, so happy with her partner. Um, and the next week, she's dead. Now I don't know why. I don't know what happened. Um, but it woke up something in me that was like, life is too short not to live in your truth and not to live in love and not to live and doing whatever makes you happy and makes you feel whole. Um, so to that point, she was probably one of the first person or persons when I was younger that I've ever, ever been in love with. And I would have never told anybody that Mm -hmm. I would have taken that to my grave you know, I may have made have slipped out like over a few cocktails with like a really good friend who would probably would have known or would have saw it. Mm-hmm. But I had to, I instantly was like, oh, I can't keep to myself that I am um, a bisexual woman and have been uh, very much attracted to and or in love with other women, but kept it to myself, kept it closeted because I was very scared of what other people would think of that. Um, and even more so now that I have a child, because that's so confusing. They're like, wait, Mm -hmm. okay, let me get this straight. You like and love women, but you have a kid with a man, you know, that's, but who is that? Why should I let that stop me from living my self-love and my self-truth? I'm okay. I have lesbian friends. I have gay friends. I have bi friends. I have trans friends. Why is that okay for everyone else, but not for me? And what am I, how how am I hating myself? Because that's how I feel like I'm, I'm hating myself for not living how I want to live. That's what's going to, that's how I felt was going to end up happening. So I've, I've made a huge leap and, and not even in all other aspects, just started dating again. And now I've started, you know, talking and dating and, you know, openly uh, with women. And it's been, very liberating and very like, oh, I could have been doing this all along. <laughs> now I'm 30 and I missed out on being hap- being that type of happy for so long or that part of my truth. So I think self-love, although I think you should meditate, you should totally do the yoga. I think all that part is totally it. But all of that is nothing if, if you're not living in your truth. What if you're meditating and you don't even like meditating? <laughs> I've, re- <laughs> I've, I've read recently that women are not great meditators. And it's because our energy is very 
men have like a very dormant energy where women have a very like kinetic fast paced energy. So us sitting in a room for 40 minutes is not very freeing or not very, um, I don't know. It doesn't calm you. If anything, it probably gives you a little bit more anxiety, but women are known to dance or sing more as a way of meditation because it's movement and it's expression. Um, so I think just being honest with yourself, honest with your, with the way you live your life, you've only got one life. You really only have one life to live, but it, maybe you can't express that truth. Maybe, you know, I couldn't for a while. So journaling and writing mm-hmm. and even blogging, because a lot of times I would write stuff in my blog and just hope someone would see it. And then I wouldn't have to say it. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> that was kind of how it started. Like, I want to just say some crazy ish on here and then hopefully someone will see it. If someone trips across (laughs) it on the internet. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting because when, when we just deny a part of ourselves that is true, it sets up self-loathing. Yeah. And that is the opposite of self-care and self-love. I can relate from the experience that I had around spirituality, where for some reason, 10 or so years ago, when I started down a more spiritual path, and it was a very private um, experience for me. I wasn't comfortable with people with talking about spirituality. Um, You know, I was a, a, a lapsed Catholic, I was living across the country from my family, but, you know, brought up, brought up Roman Catholic and to be exploring different ideas, different religions, different ways of seeing the world, the, um, the sort of, (laughs) now I call it California consciousness. And it's not always, (laughs) it's not always the most, uh, it's not a compliment, but, um, it was really difficult for me to be upfront about that and denying that and, and being very, um, when it became public and it was out completely out of my control, it was very uh, shaming for me for some reason to be seen or thought of as being different. And, uh, and 10 years later, the tide has turned on, on that, I think. I think a lot of what I was, you know, just exploring has become very mainstream. And that's a little bit why we get um, inundated with, um, they become, like you said, I think, I don't know if you said buzzwords, but self-care is a buzzword right now. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I wanted to explore it more deeply this summer, um, not just because it's something I needed to put a focus on. That's, that is, it's true. It's afforded me that opportunity. But um, the whole idea that kindness and compassion towards yourself is self-care. And we can't be kind to ourselves when we're simultaneously judging ourselves, um, you know, as you shared earlier. And you can't be compassionate to yourself if you're holding a part of you back from the people that you love or even from love, you know, seeing it in yourself and loving it first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I myself am Roman Catholic. I've gone through all my sacraments. And I think that played a huge part in my shame about, um, by, you know, culture and religion and all those things. They play a huge role in the way we think. And you know, I was a little shameful about that um, and worried about what my family would think um, and, and 
culture and religion plays a lot into our roles as women as well. Roman Catholic is very patriarchal. Um, and it kind of like puts the burden on the woman to do and, and hit these marks in their life. You know, you get married, you have the kids, you keep having more kids. <laughs> um, you give up your career. You're, you're, the, you're the house, you know, you're the house, you're the household. That's, that's your job, you know, and to make sure that your children are, are you know, whatever, living in, in the, likely, the, the, the likeness of, of Jesus Christ and whatever the Bible teaches. But let's face it, those religion as a, as a, not the spirituality part, because I, a lot of it makes sense. You read mm-hmm. an Eckhart Tolle book or you eat, you read whatever, eat, pray, love, or you eat this other that's exactly what's said in there, but mm-hmm. I'm t- these institution, the institution yes, great. of it all is what I'm, is what I'm questioning. And it's, it plays a lot of these roles. So um, not only living in your self-love or your self-truth as a woman or as anyone, you know, as women, we have to realize that we don't have to do it all. There's no reason why I have to get married, have a bunch of kids, you know, try to do all this, this household stuff, you know, have also, and then on top of that, excel, excel extremely well in all these other avenues. Like we're trying to prove that we can, I don't know, wash the dishes, hold three babies, start a business, close some deals, mm-hmm. throw the laundry in, yoga, workout. Like that's, that's ridiculous. That's, that's, unhealthy it's unrealistic so a huge part of my self-love and self-healing journey is part of my character as well it, but it just you have to learn and and I spoke to it in the book to drop the ball it's it's a term that's coined coined by Tiffany Dufo she's like this amazing uh, diversity and inclusion um just thought leader in 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 the finance and I guess in the corporate industry. Um, she's actually come to speak at my place of work and I, I fell upon her book. You know, they come, they do the thing and they spiel, they write the book, they, they sign the book and you, you get a copy. And I had held on to it for a long time and then I started to read it and I was like, oh, what? Yeah, I don't know. I don't have to waste my time doing the laundry. I don't have to waste my time like men, men don't worry about those things, <laughs> you know, because they know someone's going to pick up that dirty sock or they know that someone, and it's usually you, but let me tell you, if you leave those dirty socks there for a while, or you delegate with love, which is what I love to do. I was never one, especially as an only child to ask for help. Um, and my mom did it all. She did it all by herself, but that left her not taking care of herself not fulfilling her dreams, not, you know, when everything in the house has to be done and all the kids have to be well and the husband needs to be fed, where does that leave time? I'm not saying that people can't do that. I'm not saying there's not people who do it, but you're run, you, you likely are running yourself ragged trying to do all those things. And even as a, someone who's not married, let's say you're single and you now you feel like you have to rush to do those things. You have to rush to get married and have the the successful relationship or this and that. And it's just, you have to drop the ball. It's only in your, it's only your God given right (laughs) (laughs) to say, I'm going to let this one go. (laughs) I'm going to let this one go because it's not serving me. And I can dedicate that time and to something else. 
to something else that I truly love doing. And I think that's, to me, that's one of the huge pieces about self-love is that you don't have to do, if you're doing everything, you're doing nothing. Because how can anything be completed? Oh, I hear that. I hear that. You are, you are making me think back to two times in my life where I guess it would have been around when I was the age you are now thinking that there was something wrong with me because A, I wasn't married and B, that the clock was going to run out on having children, which it eventually did. But, and so trying to just trying, 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 and not too much comes out of trying. (laughs) And, uh, and then later in life in about 15 years later, taking on, um, well, not taking on, but getting married. And uh, my husband has, he's not a teenager anymore, but I became a full-time stepmother. And was that humbling? Going from, um, I don't think I've ever spoken about that on the podcast before, um, or even publicly, but going from a single um, 40, I think 44 years of age when we got married, um, little set in my ways for sure, but going from me, my dog, my business, my clients, my friends, my travel, me, 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 to us. And, you know, it was an us with three people in it at that point and realizing that, oh my goodness, you know, there's just so much, there's so much when there's, you know, a family and, and a child, as I'm sure you're finding out now. And there really, something had to give and, you know, and eventually something did give, it was our business. We ended up selling it. And because we just, we, we needed to recognize that we could only do so much well enough. And at some point you're good enough and you can make that decision that hanging on isn't always the, the thing and, and trying to be all things to all people. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And that meant me, you know, I didn't have, although, um, some, sometimes I feel guilty about it in the book that I may have made my dad look a little, you know, but again, those were my feelings about my dad. That's not mm-hmm. who my dad is as a person. That's how I felt. And I have every right to feel that way. So I try to tell people that too. You have every right to feel how you want to feel about anyone else, but those, there's another coin and that person's another person. And they're just getting through this life as everyone else. So he did the best that he could. And I absolutely love him. And he's, and he's an excellent grandfather. So that's not to say. But there was, I didn't have that, that, you know, that a man is capable or that they're willing to help ideal in my mind. So it took, it took you know, I, I felt like I was progressive even in not having that experience to be like, oh, no. Henri's dad is totally capable of taking care of him. And I don't need to watch his every move. I mean, sometimes I do a little micromanaging if they're around. But if when I'm not around, <laughs> everyone's fine. Everyone's living. Everyone's fed. <laughs> the house is still in the same place. If anything, he's way more. And I try to explain this to my mom. It just never gets through. I've never, other than my little brother, I have no experience with children. None. And I'm not regimented. I kind of like do how I feel. And he is completely regimented. The kid eats at a certain time. He brushes his teeth at a certain time. 
I'm usually just wait. I'm winging it. It's like if I can get him to stay still to do something, sweet. His father is on it. So I have every doubt. And I think as as women and as people, we think that people can't. We just like put these limitations on people and ourselves. And we're just like, no, they got it. They can handle it. And then knowing when, like you said, to step back from something, like holding on to this business or holding on to this thought or holding on to this ideal is not healthy for us, for me, for, you know, and it's not a failure. You didn't fail at your business. No, not at all. It's just a chapter. It closed. And, it, and in fact, it's, it's thrive. We sold it to one of our employees and it's, thri- it's thriving and still running. So, but for somebody like me, who's like, hang on to the nth degree, it was an exercise in, it was really, really tough. And yet I'm yeah. so grateful in hot, you know, hindsight, always a hundred percent. I'm so grateful for that shift. And then what that allows me to do now, because everything that we did, I'd never, I'd consulted bricks and mortar businesses in the past, but I hadn't owned and operated one. And it's two entirely different things. So it, yeah. it makes me a better coach. Yeah. You know, be like, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I, I know how that feels versus, mm-hmm. you know, a, a more idealized stance. So we always take, we always, you know, this, the listeners know this, we always take from our experience and can, can gather it into what's next. Yeah. So speaking of what's next, um, Christina, what's, what's next with, for you? What's your, you've got this book. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. Um, there will be links to it in the show notes of the podcast. Um, tell us a little bit about who the audience is for the book and, and what's next for you and, uh, and the runaround, which is your, is your website. Yeah, it was really it was really fun to write and it just flowed and it just it is just so therapeutic. So my book is for anyone. I mean it's it's mainly for women, I'll be honest. But I think I've had men who's who have read my book and have been like, I just I didn't even think about it that way. Like I know this is for women, but I didn't even think about it that way. About just like loving yourself at every stage, knowing that you're just killing it where you are. Knowing that, you know, when it, you know, everyone is going through some really tough decisions in their life and have to really choose them. You have to choose them because they're happening. You can't really like throw them under the rug. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's mostly for, you know, women, um, I'd say 25 to 35 or older, you know, I, I feel like I'm an old soul, but I'm pretty young. I'm all over the spectrum. Um, but it's for, it's for women who feel like they need to be it all, have it all, and just currently feel like a hot mess. And I don't think that anyone is, I think our society is, is very much fed, um, the end result and never really like the struggle or like where the people started or like how hard it really is. Just living life, forget businesses, forget parenting, forget like life is hard, but it's fun. And it, and it, and it, you can learn from your lessons. And I write a lot of, a lot of the stories in that way, you know, like nothing ever really seems, even though you could be like, (gasps) nothing ever really seems tragic. I'm just like, yeah, (laughs) that happened. (laughs) And then this happened. Um, 
just it's for anyone who thinks that they can only love themselves when things are perfect. Mm. Um, it's for anyone who thinks that uh, they've got to have, and I, it's a play on words that you have you have to have all your shit together. You'll never you'll you'll have you can have your shit together to the utmost to the utmost, and you still don't have your shit together. <laughs> It's it's just the journey of trying. My life is a journey of trying to have this so-called shit together. There's no, I feel like there's no such thing. But it's, it's a way of just like learning how to roll with the punches, breathe, express yourself, love yourself, but stressing about what what can be, what should be, what won't be. That's what's not getting your shit together. I think accepting that shit is gonna go, shit is gonna hit the fan. And sometimes it brings such beautiful things. That's what my book is for and that's what my book is about. Well, Christina, thank you so much for the time it takes to come on and be here with me. And you share your story and your experience with such joy. And, uh, and it's been a pleasure having you on. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you for listening to Free Your Inner Guru. I know you have a ton of choice where you receive your information and inspiration. If you or someone you know would benefit from reading Christina's book, Flipping Awesome, The Art and Science of Perseverance, Self-Love, and Getting Your Shit Together, you'll find links to the book and Christina in the show notes. I'm grateful as always for your reviews and comments, especially on iTunes. They help other wonderful people just like you find the show and become part of the Free Your Inner Guru podcast community. Speaking of community, in the coming weeks, I'll have a special announcement about the direction of the podcast and how you can become involved in the Free Your Inner Guru movement, a movement to inspire conscious leaders to have a voice in the world because everything you need is inside of you. Your job is to find it and bring it into the world. As Christina would say, your pain is your platform, and you can flip the coin on that and make it flipping awesome. Until next time, I'm Laura Tucker, signing off for Free Your Inner Guru.